This, this is a Mila production. Welcome back to another episode, special episode of the Boredom Project podcast on this very special Friday. I have with me today my friend Jade Fabello, who's coming back, graciously came back for a second interview. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we try to do this on Monday, Monday or Sunday. And uh, I made the mistake of not recording the audio. So Jade, the, the good man that he is, decided to come back and um, and run it back with me. So please give it up for Jade here on the show today. Hey, hey Josh, happy to be back. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, man, thank you for uh, coming back. I, I Oh, yeah. I, I had such a good time the first time. I thought, you know, why not? It's just, let's, yeah, back why not? back. Why not run it back? Yeah, and these are the yeah. things like, you know, just starting this podcast up, and these are mis- these are the mistakes that I feel like I have to go through. Yeah, to, you know, really. No, yeah, I can't. I can't tell you how many because my journalism, my background is in journalism, and I, I, I try to do some video stuff sometimes, and mm-hmm. I'd show up to a shoot and just have not charged the batteries or something like that. So it happens. That's all. <laughs> yeah, and I think with my banter at the beginning, I forgot to actually introduce what you do. If you want to, you can go ahead. Oh here. yeah, yeah. What do I do? Uh, <laughs> I am a freelance writer. Um, I think I recall uh, last week Josh mentioned that you know I do. Uh, I, I my background is in political speaking, uh, things of the sort. I used to model, um, but primarily what I do these days is writing. I just had this piece out in uh, Texas Monthly, and um, yeah, I do personal essays, engage with politics, and things like that. Yeah. yeah, and you're a recent University of Texas graduate, just graduated yes. in the, <laughs> the pandemic, the corona era, so fun way to go out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, and I remember last time we were talking about, you know, the way that I met you, which was, like, indirect. You were in high school, um, mm-hmm. you had some cutouts, some life-size cutouts of your, you were running for <laughs> Stuco president. You had some lifestyle yes. cutouts, and I, I saw those, and I was like, this guy's dope. <laughs> well, I like to think uh, that I am a, a fairly different person than I was in high school, but, uh, you know, I'll stand by some of those antics. Um, so what Josh is talking about is I ran for student body president. Um, very wisely, uh, there, was, there was two positions uh, available, and I ran against the homecoming queen and homecoming king. Uh, I did not end up winning, and that's all right, uh, but <laughs> I... <laughs> uh, I I had used some of the opportunities in high school to, um, I don't know, I, I've, I've always been, or I used to be more of a theatric person, and I, I one of my tactics to, to win some votes back in the day was um, uh, to make some life-size cutouts of myself and post them around campus, our, uh, our high school campus. And I, I attached some uh, boxes uh, on them and had some candy in those. You know, it's high school, and so... Well, in real politics, I think you need substance. In, in high school <laughs> politics, uh, I think fun antics is uh, good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's good enough yeah. to get you yeah. third place. Third place, medically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You were going up against some some good talent. So, Oh, yeah. Some big names. Great, great folks. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. then that along with Mr. Bulldog, which is the male pageant that we do, and you were kind of my first exposure to that. Because I think I was a sophomore <laughs> when you were participating, but um, you were like really funny. You did stand up, I think, um, and I think yeah. you were the only person I saw. Maybe there was one more person who did stand up, but I think you're the one that I remember who actually did like a comedic set, and it was really funny. 
Yeah, I mean, that was really something. Going back to the, I think I'm a fairly <laughs> different person these days, but um, no, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, as Josh was saying, for some reason, I think a lot of high schools happen, but we had this you know odd male beauty pageant thing um, where people just go up there on stage and make an ass of themselves, and I was one of those guys. Uh, and uh, <laughs> for my for my stand up set that I wrote, I. Uh, I was, there's like some odd 30 contestants and, um, I was like 14th in the pack. And, uh, after the second or third contestant, I had my friends carry out this giant box and put it on the corner of the stage. They said nothing. Uh, it was visible to everybody. It was outside the curtain. And then like 45 minutes, an hour later, when they called my name, um, it was actually Shelby and Marcus who beat me in student council, uh, <laughs> who were announcing the show. Um, they're like, all right, our next contestant is Jade Fabello. And then the box started rattling, and I burst out, and I was holding a box of, uh, I think it was Captain Crunch. Um, and I, I walked up to the mic, and I was like, ah, it was me. It was me the whole time. I was the mystery box. And then I said some jokes that I, I, I'm sure don't hold up, but who knows. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, no, yeah, it was, just, it was, I think, high school, if – if the opportunities are there again, we went to a, a pretty theatric high school. Uh, you know, I think if you want to do something exciting, like a big proposal, that's cool. You know, keep the, like a real life proposal is something more intimate and private, but I don't know. High school though. High school is a time for that. Yeah. You can show, uh, yeah. Be showy if you feel like it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, <laughs> I guess probably, I did. <laughs> that's one of the things <laughs> we have in common is, is our second place mm. victory. If you want to call it that, yeah. Mr. Bulldog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Josh, Josh also did a great. You, you sang a song from Moana, right? Yeah, I sang "You're yeah. Welcome." <laughs> my whole heart, half naked on stage. Oh, uh, the we crowd was going wild to that. I remember that. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was a lot. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, looking back at high school, I don't know if I do it again, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, we got it out of our system when we were younger. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. But let's get into why you're here today so you you know spoke about it a little bit already but you're a writer you're a speaker and you also label yourself label yourself a creative mm -hmm. um and so what does that what do those labels mean to you um, exactly and you know why are those tools to express yourself yeah i mean i i really do love this question i um so uh, of those three, I most strongly identify as a writer, and that's something I've only really come into recently in the past like two or three years. So my, my background, as I was mentioning, is uh, as a political speaker, um, just like, you know, to answer the different kind of political pains I was having as being a, a young black American and trying to figure out, you know, how to make social progress, all that kind of stuff. I, I ended up becoming the speaker, and I found myself in these you know, these rooms of wealthy elite and doing these fundraisers. And I, I had supported and given speeches for Beto O'Rourke in the Texas Senate race um, a couple of years ago. And that was kind of the crest of it. Um, but I found myself moving away from giving speeches like that because I was finding that uh, so much of those speeches, I would have to take the genuine pain I was feeling, the genuine emotions, and then like translate them into supporting these politicians who, you know, I didn't 100% align with. And so I started moving towards being a writer, um, to where I could express my honest thoughts without the, the filters and the asterisks, um, and start doing, uh, the good that I genuinely felt like I, uh, 
that was more honest and more genuine to me. So I, I started taking up writing as a real craft just uh, uh, like two years ago or so and translating my energy uh, from speech writing into writing writing. Um, so yeah, I, I very strongly identify with that label and, you know, I, I still have the speaking training, but, mm-hmm. uh, um, that is, uh, now in service of, of the writing and honest work. I want to <laughs> emphasize that honest work piece of it. Um, uh, and then the creative angle, I, I've always, I, I come from a, a pretty artsy family. Um, and, uh, I, I've always, um, yeah, considered myself an artist and creative. And I, I remember one time, having this chat with a, a great friend of mine, a wonderful creative, Daniel Ancola. Um, and he, uh, this was pretty early in college when we had met and he, he was talking about, you know, this great thing I was doing in the kind of journalistic side of thing. And they was talking about this other thing, uh, a friend was doing in a, the creative side of things. And it I was like, Oh wait, why am I not on the creative side of things? Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I, uh, I started thinking, you know, if I'm to be more honest with what I like to do, you know, I consider myself creative and an artist and I want to be an arena where I can, uh, I guess, uh, be a creative, you know? And so I consider myself a writer and a creative, also a speaker on the side, but, uh, <laughs> those two, those two more so than the other one. Yeah. yeah. And I find that surprising just because the way that I mm. guess I, I knew of you was, was that of a speaker. Um, but then again, you know, that was when I was, that's when we were in high school. And so mm-hmm. I had seen some things that you were doing. Um, you mentioned your political speeches and you gave a speech for Beto um, before the presidential campaign. So, right, right. Yeah, you gave, you did one for Beto. Um, you've also won a couple competitions or participate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you won a couple competitions. Yeah. And so that's how I, you know, was introduced to you. It's like, this is Jade. Jade's a extremely good speaker. Um, but you know, what about writing and, and speaking really like just pulled you in and like, you know, the creative aspect too? what of those things pulled you in and made you realize that like the, there was something you enjoyed and something that you were good at? Yeah. Um, so really, you know, I look at, um, I mean, if, even if I wasn't sharing my thoughts with the world, I would be, I would be recording them somewhere or expressing them to myself. At least I, I can't tell you how often I just find myself. Like if I'm say I'm not doing too hot or something, I might just open up the um, recording app on my phone or not even do that and just talk and just get all my thoughts out. And that's, I mean, that's the way I engage with the world and process it is to put my thoughts into words. I'm a big journaler. Um, I have a, a big stack of journals that I, I move through, uh, that can kind of, in a way, you know, capture the way I was feeling on a certain day in a, a different part of my life. But, uh, I, uh, I just, that's, that's how I process the world is to, to put my words into thoughts like that. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I wasn't, it, it is interesting cause you know, the speaking part did come first as you were saying, uh, before I got skills as a writer. Um, and, uh, it was, um, yeah, I mean, I just, the questions came first, the questions I had about the world, and then I just needed an outlet to, to, to get them out there, and not even for the sake of other people, just for myself sometimes. Um, and first it was speaking, and then I found some problems with that, and 
it was writing the type of essays I write now is, has been the, the answer. Um, and if I find that that no longer helps me get through the world, then uh, I'll, uh, maybe I'll take up a different medium. But uh, <laughs> I am pretty confident in being this kind of writer these days. You know? Yeah. And let's go ahead and talk about a different medium because you did mention <laughs> – yeah, right. You did yeah, mention sure, sure. You, did a little, you, you did a little bit of modeling – so how did you get in? Yeah, how did you get into that? Well, let's see. I I got into modeling on a whim. I think that's fair to say. Uh, no, I um the the biggest thing I was involved in throughout college, the most consistent thing rather, was a, a publication called Spark Magazine. They um are a uh, a entirely student run fashion publication, fashion and arts publication. So it's. Uh, every every semester they put out uh, this this beautiful book um, where on every page you'll see work by just a bunch of talented creatives of you know, makeup artists, stylists, models, um, photographers, um, writers. Um, there's 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 just a ton of great work going in. There's people on the business side and event planners, all this kind of stuff. Um, just a, a great group of creatives. And I joined that first as a as a model before joining as a writer. Um, just, I think, you know, first year of, first, uh, year of college, I joined too many things and it was a, you know, it was a great privilege that I was able to, you know, had some scholarships that afforded me that mobility to try out, um, different things. Um, and, uh, Spark is the only one that, that stuck through that first again. Yeah. I joined as a model. Then I came in as a writer. Um, and, and for time modeling is just, you know, it was just a fun creative thing to do. Um, because I was doing like fashion modeling, not uh, like kind of the lifestyle stuff where you're just like smiling at a camera and holding a toothbrush or whatever. Um, so it was, it was cool creative concepts coming to life um, and just kind of being a canvas for that. Um, and then, yeah, I, I switched over to being a writer and then eventually the senior print editor there. Um, and just uh, that was like, you know, the most formative experience in my college career to be able to, mentor other writers and like take the stuff I was learning from every different, uh, avenue and help people along, uh, and just seeing how much that, you know, we all grew together. That was, uh, my favorite part of my college career for sure. Dang. And so that was all at UT at the university of Texas. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you also did, I saw you did a campaign. You worked on a campaign. Mm -hmm. Was it like a Stuco campaign there too for? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Student body campaign. Uh, Cameron and Zombie. Got you. Yeah. Right. Um, Could you talk they, about They them? were the... Sorry, yeah, no, yeah, go I'm ahead. Sure. You were starting. <laughs> <laughs> no, all good. All good. Um, they were um, the first uh, all-black ticket to win a student body president, uh, as far as I'm aware, maybe the first one in a couple of decades, something of the sort. But um, I joined them as the um, media manager, and this was coming in at a time where I was very much stepping away from being in the spotlight. Um, and so I was very happy to join them and just support people that, um, you know, in the relative scale of things, I was, I really could stand behind. And that was putting into the narrative of me moving away from being a speaker. Um, uh, I, I found myself pretty comfortable being in, you know, this kind of support role of helping bring out the best in other people. Because Cameron Ami, I, I really think, you know, particularly that year, they're the best candidates available for it's a, it's a, it's a fairly, you know, there's 50,000 people at UT or 50,000 students. Um, and so they're, they're representative of them and, you know, say whatever you will about 
the effectiveness of student government at any school, how much you believe in it. But um, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I have my opinions. But uh, <laughs> um, they, uh, it, it was a fairly uh, big position. Um, and uh, joining as a media manager is another great avenue to do some creative work where um, I was – I recruited uh, some really talented videographers, uh, Daniel and Cola, like I mentioned earlier, and a great friend of mine, Nabil Bayumi, who also went to high school with Josh and I. Um, cool dude. Cool dude. Uh, he, he also ran for a student uh, body. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've, met, I've met him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, noticing a trend. Interesting. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but we, we got to make some really uh, – uh, wonderful video work um and i was like using my speech writing skills to you know kind of take cameron ami's vision uh and um uh, you know present that in fun creative ways and we got to do these these great videos and then with um uh daniel kind of you know when you when you get daniel on your team you kind of just let him uh run wild with whatever creative vision he feels like and so we we produced this this series of like kind of a viral campaign of the whole tagline of the campaign was UT by you. Um, and, uh, we kind of tagged the, you know, interesting UT students and Daniel, you know, you've seen Spider-Verse. I have seen Spider-Verse. Love Spider-Verse. I love, is that um, your case? <laughs> yeah. My phone case is Spider-Verse. That's awesome. Um, but Daniel's kind of inspiration for this, this series was, uh, in Spider-Verse when they introduce all the different spider people, uh, they all do their own kind of animation style and mm-hmm. uh, distinct kind of flair to it. And so Daniel, in this series you did with these different UT uh, individuals, we did one that was like in this first person perspective, one that was um, kind of based on a scene from American Psycho, like each of them having their own kind of distinct feel to them. Um, so it was just a great opportunity to, to flex some creative muscles there um, while also supporting people that I believed in. Um, um yeah, I, they're both great folks, Cameron and Ami. I, I have frequent conversation with Ami to this day. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was really great to be a part of. And um, <laughs> I guess keeping on this thread of these elections, that's the only uh, <laughs> election I've been a part of that uh, that was uh, that I that we won. You know, <laughs> um, I guess since then I have uh, I did do some canvassing for. Um, Jose Garza, who is this great progressive candidate for Austin DA, and he, he just won that spot. But um, on you know a real involved level, <laughs> I guess that was the first victory. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. And so you've done a lot of work involving politics. So we're just gonna mm-hmm. you know take that three sixty, yeah. I guess, from from art and creativity back into politics. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you've done a lot of work within politics, whether it be like giving speeches or writing, um, etc. Do you see yourself continuing with that trend or are you trying to, you know, expand uh, and or find a niche in in your writing? Um, my answer to that question is uh, yes and. Um, I, uh, you know, I think, as I said earlier, the reason I write is because I have these questions or things I need to answer for myself about, you know, the way uh, I see the world and the way the world functions and uh, – I think it's a generally it's a pretty political life. Politics, whether people are aware or not, affects um, uh, everyday life. And I'm not just talking about you know elections or uh, uh, one particular type of politics, but just the interaction of power dynamics and 
different things that that's uh that's kind of so much of life and so much of uh people's conscious or unconscious lives um and with that i i i, I think i'll always be writing about that because those are the kind of questions i have um how do you uh kind of reach a more fair world or a better world um but at the same time i think all of the different topics of life are so deeply connected. Um, there's a there's a really popular writer in my field, uh, Gia Tolentino. She's kind of like the premier millennial writer, and she does this thing where like her essays span so much different topics. There, she has this one called um, uh, is it what is it Losing Religion and Finding Ecstasy in Houston, um, <laughs> where she in the span of, you know, one essay, she'll be talking about like the Houston rap scene and then ecstasy and growing up, uh, at these big religious churches and then tie it into some other big part of millennial culture and whatever have you. Um, and I, I, I do like that kind of thing for, uh, that's where, where the creative and the artist aspect comes in, being able to draw links between seemingly disconnected topics. Um, that's what I feel like my role is as a writer, not to, try to, uh, quote unquote, change the world at UT. The slogan is what starts here, change the world. I don't know about all that, but, um, uh, I think it is my role to engage with the world. And sometimes that, that includes demands for change or, um, requesting that things be better or, or something of the sort. Um, but generally I want to engage with the world and tie seemingly dissimilar topics together and pick up on those cultural threads that, uh, we all kind of experience and live through. Yeah, so I feel like in that essence, you would be able to tie in a lot of what, you know, you've been talking about mm-hmm. so far is just, you know, being able to use that creative outlet within your writings and within, you know, your speeches if, if you continue that as well. Within the political sphere, I think that's something yeah. that a lot of people are starting to do right now, um, especially, you know, around everything that's been going on, a lot of the protests mm-hmm. Um, have been getting violent, um, and you're seeing a lot of creative people coming out and expressing themselves and, you know, expressing just, like, how upset we are as a community. Right. Um, through art, yeah. which, is, which is really special to me. Certainly. I mean, because, you know, you talk about violence that, you know, comes out from uh, these different police forces or, or state uh uh, affiliated people. And I think, you know, the, what it sounds like you're picking up on and just in terms of people getting, I guess, quote unquote, more political, uh, is as more people become unable to, you know, ignore some of the realities of like, you know, at UT, they got, they're charging, they're charging students like 1400, $1,700 a month for like a one bedroom place in West campus. Uh, and, if you know people can't afford that kind of thing, um, if uh, they start seeing uh, the violence that's always been a part of the system becomes more apparent to people, um, you're you're forcing the question on 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 folks to either be like, "All right, I'm gonna keep ignoring this," or I'm gonna try to engage it with it some way. Uh, not everybody has the same kind of artistic tools available to them, but I think it's it's been pretty great to see more people, um, you know grappling with stuff the ways that they know how and, uh, trying to, you know, learn, get more tools to, to do so. Yeah. And, and with that, with saying, you know, more people are getting involved, 
Um, and growing up in Austin, it being a pretty, you know, self-proclaimed progressive city, very liberal mm-hmm. city. Um, you you recently wrote for Texas Monthly. You mentioned that your article was uh, what I learned as a young black political speaker in liberal white Austin. A very specific mm. title, um, <laughs> yeah. but but no, I thought it was. I, I read it. I read it, and I thought it was really interesting um, because you know we went to the same high school, and so mm-hmm. you know as two black men, we experienced a lot of the same things. You know, a lot of the passive. Um, racist comments, et cetera, et cetera, that, right. you know, growing up in a, in a liberal city, if you're, you know, if you're a white person, you might not realize what you're doing, right? but you know, that's the makeup of the society. And so you talked about in that, that what, something that I liked is you labeled yourself, you know, a translator somebody mm-hmm. called you a translator that you were right. able to translate racism without being aggressive and that was something you didn't want to you know be consumed with is is that label necessarily right yeah and so that uh that label that of translator it was uh yeah as i talk about in the story it's it was something that was uh i was told i was at at one of the the first speeches i ever gave at these you know these kind of fancy wealthy elite high-rises that i kept finding myself in um and, you know, uh, she, um, and she had said this to me as a compliment. Um, and at the time kind of feeling this social pressure to be this person who, um, you know, kind of bore these, these aggressions and these, uh, racist comments. And I could, could one day be this champion of change. And I, if I take on this pain, uh, you know, everything will work out all that kind of thing. That's the kind of mentality that I was going in with, but I remember it was, it was so, it was not long after that, that speech that, um, it was, uh, Philando and Castile, Philando Castile and Alton Sterling died. And I remember breaking pretty quickly of feeling like I'm supposed to keep in all these emotions, um, somehow, because apparently that's what you're supposed to do. But I, I've come to realize that it's not that, you know, hiding our emotions and hiding our pain just so, um, these, these particular class interests and wealthy white interests, feel comfortable. I don't think that's the way to go about, um, you know, um, tackling the very real systems of racism that exist. Um, and I, but that translator comment, you know, uh, it, it means a lot to me that, you know, that's something that you, you particularly highlighted because I feel like that's something that a lot of black people in our situations have experienced, um, of, of feeling like they have to, uh, kind of, you know, present this false version of themselves or, uh, obscure the genuine frustrations for the sake of keeping the peace. Because, you know, uh, that's, that's what the messaging we hear all the time when, you know, when they say something like, and they emphasize peaceful protesters and things like that, they're saying that like, we only will only listen to you if you're quote unquote peaceful. Um, but there's so many things that <laughs> necessitate and demand that, um, you know, your emotions not be peaceful. Uh, and that, uh, and, uh, so it's, 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 uh, they, it's, it's a, it's a big part of it all where, um, of a lot of the black experience who, of people who move in through similar spaces as we have, um, that you're expected to, to hide these parts of yourself. But I, I, uh, my conclusion after years of, of trying to do that and seeing that, um, uh, 
it wasn't really, you know, getting the results that I felt I needed. I felt my community needed. I, I, I just, I can't imagine that's the, the right way to go about things to, uh, just pretend that things are better than they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm also of the opinion of, you know, if somebody who claims to be an ally or somebody who claims to want to help out black people or, uh, do something of the sort only wants to do that. If black people are, you know, super nice to him and super, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, 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 question that person's, um, uh, authenticity in wanting to help. If, uh, you know, the fact that somebody was a little bit mean one day or not mean, I'm not even gonna say mean, but <laughs> a little bit <laughs> yeah. more aggressive than they, they would have liked that. They're like, Oh, suddenly I don't believe in, um, helping black people. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't, I question if that person is somebody who's worth your time, you know? Yeah. yeah, no, I definitely agree with all of that. Just because, you know, you see it time and time again, when, especially people mm-hmm. who will try to, you know, when, when, when another one of these black men or women dies at mm-hmm. the hands of a cop or, or anybody else, um, you, there's always this tendency to either label them as good or bad. And so you're trying to find right. people, trying to find things in their past that they did um, that'll either highlight whether they were a good right. person or a bad person. And, and typically it usually sways to the bad side because they'll just find the most random they'll little things. They'll find something, yeah. Um, but in the times that it's it's completely obvious that they were you know, a good person or an accomplished person, um, I think, for example, the guy, I forgot his name, but in, in Central Park earlier this year who mm. got called like the cops on by some woman walking yeah. – um, happened to be a Harvard graduate and a bird watcher. So people were like, oh, my God, like you almost called the cops on this dude. But if it was somebody yeah. else, you know. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely yeah. a ways I mean, to go. For sure. I mean, that's a, that kind of respectability part that you're picking up on. Of uh, It's of people looking for to justify whether or not somebody deserved to die or not. You know, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't matter that guy had a Harvard degree. It doesn't matter that, uh, another person didn't, uh, shouldn't give, you know, cops the authority to just execute people on site, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't help but uh, agree with, uh, it's, it, it, it is rather frustrating for, especially for young black people, um, to, to watch, uh, people on the news pick apart whether or not your life mattered or not or uh, something like that. And I'm sure that's something, you know, most black people of our generation and generations past as well, surely, um, have experienced to, to watch their whether or not their own lives matter be debated um, as like this kind of academic practice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jade, for joining me <laughs> again today. I want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If there's anything that you want to plug, we'd love to have let you have the last word. For sure. I mean, I feel like we were a little bit lighter last time, but uh, right. <laughs> <you know>? uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm here for it all. I'm here for any kind of conversation with you. But um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Um, you know, uh, my uh, so as Josh said, uh, I'm a writer. Um, you can follow my work if you're interested on jadefabello.com. That's J-A-D-E. F-A-B-E-L-L-O.com. You know, I was on I was on a different podcast the other day and I think I misspelled my own name. Um, <laughs> I, there was a little bit of a reverb, and so like I, I, I think I might have said three L's instead of two 
anyway, but um, <laughs> so it's two you know, um uh, yeah, I, I, I have some I have some more stories coming out. Um, that Texas Monthly piece um, that we've been discussing today is, is up on there. I uh, appreciate any and all the support. Um, I'm a you know, whether I, I publish my thoughts or not, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep writing. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, really appreciate being on, Josh. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Really looking forward to everything that you continue to do and reading more of your articles as they come out. So thank you again. And that's going to do it for us this week on the Boredom Project podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. This is a Production. Production. Production.